is up bros i'm caleb and i'm jonathan and we are a couple of bros on a mission to give you guys the most detailed mover movie blah, shit detailed <laughs> movie reviews out there with as little bias as possible welcome to <laughs> the all bros <laughs> fantastic start hey you know what it's okay because that that slogan isn't one that we've been saying over 200 times yet so we're good that is true. <laughs> um, so anyway, this week on the podcast in 4K Spotlight, we have one uh, new movie coming out, and Rose has a story to share with it. And then for yes, our I Through do. the Wall, honestly, I think we're going to be talking about the DC shit show that's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so we'll be getting into that, and then for this week's headliner, we will be breaking down a Christmas story Christmas. Uh, we know this this episode gets released a day after Christmas, but Close whatever. Enough. We're we're as of our recording, we're still in the holiday season, so man, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, look, if you don't want to listen to it this year, I guess you could save it for next year if you really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, without further ado, let's say we get into this episode. Yes. Need motivation? Angry Dad Podcast. Trying to jumpstart your life? Angry Dad Podcast. You want help getting off the couch? Angry Dad Podcast. You need a verbal kick in the ass? Angry Dad Podcast. You want to hear from somebody who's been through it all? Angry Dad Podcast. I am here for you. You can find me on all podcast platforms. Alrighty, first up in 4K Spotlight. Uh, Rose, you want to take this one? I would love to. So, this week, um, everyone, honestly, probably one of the most divisive films in the Halloween franchise comes out on Blu-ray and 4K Halloween ends. Um, and there's definitely a lot of exclusives, but I got a little story with this one. So, I was scrolling through uh, Facebook, uh, what was it, Mo- uh, Monday, the, uh, Monday the 19th? And I follow a Halloween fans page, and so people were, like, posting that they had already gotten, like, their copy of Halloween Halloween Ends on Blu-ray. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? It doesn't come out for another week. There's no freaking way. There's no freaking way. And so then all of a sudden I see someone post a uh, picture of, like, the display that Walmart had for it. I'm just like, okay, so I guess they already have the display up, but they already had the film stocked. I'm like, okay, there's no way that they're letting people buy it. There's no freaking way that, like, you know... So, uh, companies like have a certain uh, street date that they can't sell the movies until then. So even if you try to go buy it, it's not going to let you. There's no way. But everyone on the Halloween page was posting that you know they they either got the Blu-ray or they got the Walmart exclusive 4K cover uh, that has like Michael and Lori facing. So it has like the so the Walmart exclusive has uh, the poster where it's like Michael in the front and then Lori in the back. I don't know if you've seen that poster. Yes. Okay, so that so that's the front, but then it also has like a flap and it's so freaking cool. You open a flap and it has 
uh, Lori on the left and then Michael on the right, kind of like a like a verse like a versus stance, and it's really freaking cool. Um, it's freaking awesome. Um, but yeah, people were posting that they were able to get it. I'm like, N there's no freaking way, no no freaking way. So I said, you know what, f it, I'm gonna go see if it's possible. So yesterday, just because I didn't have time uh, throughout the week, just because of work, but so Wednesday, uh, which was uh, the uh, the 21st, um, I went to <laughs> I went to Walmart just to see if I could, um, and they had the they had the Walmart exclusive 4K. I picked that up, took it to the register. Yeah, I was able to buy it. So I bought Halloween Ends a freaking week early. Well, at least that version. I I bought the Steelbook too because you you know I'm collecting problems. But yeah, I have Halloween Ends in my hand right now, or up in my uh, movie room. <laughs> so Dude, yeah, what? Yeah, Walmart effed up. <laughs> Apparently, like, has anything yeah. come out about the early release? Nope, uh, because -uh, uh, I've checked Target, I've checked Best Buy, nowhere else is selling it. Just so, it's just Walmart. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it will already have been released by the time this episode comes out. But yeah, if anybody wanted Halloween ends early, go to your local Walmart. You might be able to find it. Um, but oh, man, <laughs> dude, I would. I'm gonna love to hear if shit comes out of that. Yeah, seriously, Universal, like they've got it. Just. I don't understand how this is possible because I swear that like when they send out the movies, when they scan them into the system, I don't even think they have to do anything. It's automatically set to a street date that they cannot sell it or it won't ring through the, the scanner until 12.01 that day. 12.01 a.m. is when you can actually purchase that item. So, Dude, that's nuts. And like there yeah. wasn't anything like talking about like Walmart getting like an exclusive deal or – or anything like that. Like mm, it was. No, I mean, they're all they supposed to release exclusive. a street date. Yeah, no, I mean they got exclusive, like like I pointed out. But yeah, no, nothing. Dude, what kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> like we we freaking would get harassed with pop figures that were out on the shelves. Oh yeah, seriously. But dude, the, what total horseshit? Yeah, yeah, yeah freaking. I, I was amazed that when I went up, scanned it all. It, all it says is, oh, item is uh, rated R. Please wait for an associate. And so person just had to type in uh, their code. And I was able to buy it. I, yeah. Shit, I, dude. I, 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 can't I can't believe that Walmart effed up and released Halloween Ends a week early. So, yeah. Someone's getting fired. <laughs> on, yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be someone at Universal or someone at Walmart. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess I guess we'll find out. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was gonna be like maybe just like some WalMarts. Uh, they they fluked, but I actually went to like every single Walmart in my area. Uh, just to see like you know, because you know, I'm anal about slipcovers, so you know I had to get the best one. Um, but yeah, every single one had it except so Cedar Hill Cedar Hills Walmart did, did not have the 4K exclusive, but they had the Blu-ray, they had the DVD, and then they also had the trilogy on DVD noise yeah so yeah they, they someone effed up and walmart was able to put out halloween ends a week early <laughs> uh nice and like i said this this movie is probably the 
next to season of the witch i feel this might be one of the most divisive probably the most divisive film in the franchise i will admit it has grown on me the more i watch it um but i can understand where that the true hatred comes from because i blame the freaking hatred on the marketing team because this movie is so hyped up to be, oh, all it's focusing on is the final confrontation between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And that's literally the last 20 minutes of the movie. That that's the... Yeah, if that. Like, yeah. You guys can hear all of our thoughts and opinions about that one on our Halloween Ends episode. But shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I love the franchise too much not to buy the both exclusive versions. So so I already have the Walmart exclusive in hand, um, and I'm just waiting now for my pre-order of the Best Buy exclusive Steelbook to come in. Um, which, getting to the actual, like, exclusives and, you know, the, the versions of this. So, like I said, the Walmart exclusive, it's the cover with Michael, with Michael in the front, Lori in the back. Um, with her back turned to him. Um, and then when you open it, when you open the flap, which I love that it has this flap. I think it's such a cool exclusive. You got Lori on the left, Michael on the right. And it looks freaking great. I love it so much. Um, although the, I was, kind of, I guess I wasn't shocked, but, um, I wish that the, the actual like, um, 4K, um, the 4K case had the exact same cover. As the exclu- exclusive, it's just the ba- it's the regular 4K cover where it's just Michael's face from like the teaser poster. Mm. But I'll take what I can get. Um, but the Steelbook, which is a Best Buy exclusive Steelbook, shocker, um, is honestly like really cool. I actually, what sucks is I like the Steelbook so much more than the Halloween Kills Steelbook, but I loved Halloween Ends so much more. Like what the? <laughs> Why does this steelbook have to be cool, dude? Ain't that the shit though, dude? It <laughs> like, really isn't is. that how it always goes. It's just like, oh, this is like my least favorite movie of whatever franchise, but it ends up being like the coolest freaking cover. Yeah, it's freaking bullshit. So yeah, I gotta show you this. So I hope you can see this that well. Can you see that? Oh yes, right? Isn't it so cool? <laughs> oh man that's pretty dope right it's such a better steelbook than halloween kills um but yeah so um of course you know you guys can't see it but so the front is uh like a close-up of michael holding holding a knife in front with halloween ends and and the background is orange look which looks like freaking awesome it kind of looks like a pumpkin that's cracking i love it um, the back is Lori with her back turned, holding a butcher knife. And then the inside is, um, what their fight in the kitchen where Michael, I don't know what Michael's, do, Michael's doing, Michael's doing. He, he's like crossing his arms, which I don't know why he's doing that. I don't, for some reason, I'm not remembering why he does this, but then you have Lori about to freaking swing a, is that a fire extinguisher at him? I think that's what it is. I'm, I know it's not clear for you, but like, does that look like a fire extinguisher? A little bit. Okay. Uh, the, it's I'm, it's an odd. Maybe it's like it's definitely one of the more odd choices of uh, inside screenshots to make or to get. I I agree. 
Um, I'm trying I to personally think of would what... have gone for like when Michael's choking Lori. Yes. Or how about like when um maybe like when he's trying to f- like force her hand into the garbage disposal. Or that might have been too fast. Yeah, that to might have been a little quick. Shot. Yeah. Yeah, I think the choke. Well, I think yeah, I think was the choke a little looked the best. Yeah, then it would have been like a really good clean shot of both of them. I would have also. I would have really loved if it was the shot where, um, when you actually get Michael returning and like um, he's like peeking behind the tree, and you kind of see Lori in the background, like by her truck. I feel that would have been kind of that would have been a cool shot. That would have been a really good one. But I will. I'm gonna say this right now: no promotional shots on the back covers of the uh, like the physical physical release show Corey at all. So you can tell that they are really trying to hide that shit because they (laughs) know that people. Dude, rightfully. And I didn't hate the Corey storyline. No, I didn't hate it. That's the the shitty thing. It's like this: the Corey shit was good. It was yeah. just out of place. It re- I love the idea of the, the evil of Michael Myers infecting someone else. That's a really cool concept. But don't bring that shit in when you're trying to wrap up a bunch of other storylines in the third movie. Yeah. And then turn it into a freaking love later. story. I could have done that without that. Dude, like, I feel that just ruined yeah. Allison's character. It did. It absolutely did. Like, oh, We... If there was ever a reason to resurrect a Dreamcast, it would be to to talk about our ideas for the Halloween trilogy. Like a rearranged Halloween trilogy. Like, I will say, I do have my problems with the trilogy, but I am grateful that it just had one single director. Unlike the the um, sequel trilogy for Star Wars and even the Jurassic World trilogy. At least the hollow, at least David Gordon Green's trilogy, what, or I'm sorry, no, it's it's Blumhouse's trilogy was directed by one person. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I boring you? Dude, I, I'm freaking beat today. So dude, that was, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm so <laughs> way to freaking call me out, dude. No one would have known. I'm sorry. Christina does that every single freaking time that I yawn when uh, she's like telling me about something. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I boring you? I'm like, kiss my ass, Christina. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I had to see how you'd react. (laughs) Freaking bastard. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so minus those two exclusives, uh, you get the bare bones 4K and Blu-ray release, which it's they're kind of they went with just what they did with the other with Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. It's the teaser poster with just the close-up of Michael's mask, which I love. I love that they kept it uniform for all three, so that it's gonna look freaking great on your shelves. Um, I'm gonna be buying. God, I'm gonna be buying three freaking versions of this movie. Fuck. Because I have to have the, re- I'm so I have to have the regular 4K as well to match the other match Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. Now I'll probably wait for that one to go on sale because I really don't have to worry about not getting that one because you know I can find it everywhere. Um, but yeah, even though I did not love this movie, I'll be buying this movie three freaking times. Sucks to be you. <laughs> it does suck. It sucks to be a diehard Halloween fan, and also a physical media collector. Um. But yeah, um, 
I went on a rant with that. Um, but so yeah, that that's 4K Spotlight. Halloween ends. Go pick it up <laughs> if if you liked it. Dude, that might be the longest we've ever talked about a single movie in 4K yeah, dude, Spotlight. Straight... <laughs> dude, straight up, straight up. Uh, alrighty then. Uh, moving on to Through the Wall. Uh, like we said, we're going to be talking about the DC shit show that's happening right now. Yeah. And I honestly don't think it's DC's fault. <laughs> no, it's Warner Brothers' fault. It's The Rock's fault. Fair. If, it, if it's anyone's um, fault, it's the freaking Rock, dude. The best one, the best meme that I saw, well not meme, it was a TikTok was that summed this whole thing up was uh the classic scene from Spider-Man where it's Norman in the boardroom and so all of the all the board members are like DC and James Gunn and Peter is it Saffron? Yeah. Is that who's um you know they're they're the ones uh in the back and of course Dwayne Johnson is Norman Osborn it's just like well you can't do this to me. Do you know how much I sacrificed? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that, I'm sure that's what The Rock is thinking. Um, I mean, but it seems like there's no bad blood from between James Gunn and The Rock. Like, from what he tweeted, uh, was it yesterday? The uh, 21st? From what James Gunn posted? No, what The Rock uh, posted. Ooh, I didn't, I didn't see what The Rock posted. Really? Like, okay. I, yeah, okay. I only saw James Gunn's. Like let me pull that mo- up for you. Him more or less telling the fans to suck it up. <laughs> no, dude, they seriously do. Like it's not his fault. Warner Brothers hired. Warner Brothers had a specific. They saw what was happening with the DC universe. It was going really nowhere. Okay, maybe it was going somewhere, but the financial um, numbers, box office numbers, were definitely not there. So I'm not surprised that they want to hire or hire someone that actually really knows how to make a profitable and really good superhero movie. Yeah. It it's not surprising at all. Dude, I freaking like just kind of going back real quick to that meme that you saw about him being the, the rock being Dwayne. <laughs> um I saw another one that added on to that because i saw that one and then someone added on to that uh the, you remember oh, the scene where he where the green goblin comes flying in and he throws the pumpkin bomb and he's just like out am i i will never forget that scene because of what i actually thought that he said as a child did i never you tell think? you that no what do you think oh my said? oh my god story time story time um <laughs> <laughs> so for the longest time, and it wasn't, I think, until my uh, buddy JC uh, told me that, no, Jonathan, that's wrong. Go watch the scene. And I did, and I'm like, I'm a freaking idiot. So when he throws the, yeah, the pumpkin bomb and says, out, am I? Since I was a kid, when I first saw it, I thought he was saying, howdy there, boys. What the shit? <laughs> yeah, I am dead freaking serious. I thought Green Goblin was saying howdy there, boys, as he threw his pumpkin bomb. And you know what? I've made it my mission. If Willem Dafoe ever joins um, 
any of those like places where you can buy a cameo shit like that where you can like pay for them to say something if he ever does any of those i am paying that man to say howdy there boys in the green goblin voice because i need that for my, <laughs> my life to be complete dude that would be hilarious <laughs> right that would be freaking amazing so willem dafoe if you're listening to this you're probably not but please join cameo so i can pay you to do that for me because you would make a sad almost 20 no actually when this well no almost 27 year old man very happy okay how much money would you drop to make that happen a couple hundred no shit (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe not a a hundred a hundred i what 200 no, like I'm no like if like legitimately like how much I think I like would just max, because like if if he was like okay one eighty would you pay one eighty totally totally I need okay. that closure in my life man would you pay two thirty I think my cap would probably be three hundred holy shit. <laughs> They accept afterpay, right? Uh, you better hope they do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, my gosh, that's that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, but anyway, so it was that scene. But when he throws the pumpkin bomb, it's an un it's an unfollow button. (laughs) Oh shit. And then it's just like Warner it like it's kind of funny. Like it's it's Warner Brothers, um, the Black Adam page, and I think it's just DC in general. Like what whatever the pages that, that he unfollowed are just standing there and it's like it's like they paused it and then it's just like the flash and then it's just like like the people are still standing there and just like <laughs> <laughs> So just like, oh, oh no, That's am- <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> oh, okay, but dude, how the- Warner Brothers? I can understand like kind of everyone's perspective on this. Like Warner Brothers kind of had a hail mary and was just like, okay, let's just see if this works with The Rock. And obviously, I feel like they may have known that Black Adam wasn't going to perform as strongly as it, as it, like, I think they just knew it wasn't going to perform very well. Yeah. But like, whatever you want to say happened, whether it was like the projections or whatever, I think they just knew it wasn't going to work out. And so... Then they kind of had this backup plan to hire James Gunn, and they just, and I think The Rock was kind of pissed off where he's just like, oh, it wasn't really involved in any of this stuff. It's like, okay, you're not an executive. You don't have to be. Because <laughs> I remember that TV, that uh, TikTok that he did where he's just like, the hierarchy of the DC universe is changing. I'm like, yeah, just not the way that you're thinking, buddy. Yeah. So apparently he, he had a team i don't know if it was him directly or if it was his team of people but they were basically lying 
about the the success of Black Adam. Are you freaking serious? Yeah, like they were showing that it was in the black, like it was profitable, and yeah, a lot of Warner Brothers executives were like, uh, no. Not even close. Yeah, and so that's, and then that's when like the whole hiring of James Gunn and everything happened, so. And I'm sure a lot of people said, well, yeah, but the Suicide Squad didn't do that great at the box office. Um, yeah, maybe you could say that, but that was also on H- HBO Max simultaneously at the exact same time. So, yeah, that was going to have an effect on it. And also, look at the reviews for that compared to Black Adam. The outcry of support for the Suicide Squad was amazing. I didn't. I don't think I saw one negative review for the Suicide Squad. And people are still talking about that movie. Yeah, because it's a great Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, like, I feel like I've heard people t- discussing Suicide Squad over Black Adam. I mean, I would too. It's a better movie. Yeah, but no, like, I'm just, like, saying in, in general, like, just talking about, like, I don't hear very many people talking about Black Adam. Because it, Dude, honestly, Black Adam's a super average movie, as yeah. we, we scored, so... Go listen to that yeah. episode. Dude, after we talked about it, that was probably the last time I talked about it to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the only reason I want to go back and watch Black Adam is just because I feel like there's stuff I missed. That's that's fair. Did you see it's on HBO Max now? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I'll probably be rewatching that soon-ish, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Like, yeah, we'll see if I get around to it. But, yeah, it's just... I think the the Rock had big plans, and he's like, "We're gonna listen to the fans. We're gonna listen to this. We're gonna listen to that." The fans, I feel, don't always know what they want. Thank you. I'm sorry to say. And like, I will say this: where Marvel kind of t- takes a makes it a point to not hire fans. Because they're just like, we don't want anyone coming in with expectations of what these characters should be. Which I think is the wrong way to go in general. You need someone who understands the character. I agree. Yeah, I don't like that approach. They're just like, oh yeah, we don't want someone that knows the the source material, like the back of their hand. Yeah, but like, isn't that going to make for like a really good movie or show? Like someone that knows the character inside and out? Yeah, it's just like that. It would satisfy fans. Someone who's like a good filmmaker. Like, but I'm sure of... it would actually, especially like the actor who's playing the character. I'm hell. They'll pro- they could probably even tell them something that they don't even know about the character, and they'd be like, "Holy shit! I never knew that. That's awesome to know." Yeah, like I think if you if you hire someone that's going in blind to any particular character, it's what stories are you missing? Kind like, of like the writers for uh, Multiverse of Madness didn't even watch WandaVision. Yeah, what kind of bullshit is that? Yeah, that was poor shit. Like, come on. Like, you are actually kidding me. Yeah. It was, it, it, it's just, like, think about all of the amazing stories that we've missed out on because you guys hired someone that doesn't know the character that well. Yeah. That just went to a comic book shop said, hey, get me some Spider-Man comics, and then came and was just like okay here here's a few and you're not understanding that there's a bunch of different storylines yeah like it i will say this the rock released a a decent movie 
Yeah, it, I don't hate Black Adam. Yeah, but compared to like compared to the rest of the DC universe, it's one of the the better movies. Yeah. But it's by no means anywhere close to being like jaw-droppingly good. It, like the the closest one was James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Like that one was just oh. off the freaking hook. So good. Yeah. So so and, good. It's just I under like I understand why the rock is all butt hurt because he felt like Warner Brothers was just kind of putting all of their eggs in his basket and then ended up like not really doing that when they were like, Yeah, we're gonna go hire James Gunn. But I think the Rock and probably Warner Brothers too overpromised on a lot of shit. Absolutely. Because they canceled they canceled all of the cameos from Henry Cavill in the future. Like I think he was supposed to appear in Flash or Yeah, so both him and Gal Gadot were uh Gal Gadot, sorry. Uh were were uh, supposed to appear in the Flash, but yeah, their cameos were cut. Yeah, so those were cut. Ben Affleck's uh, cameo was cut from Aquaman. Yeah, I think th- I think it was for Aquaman too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what's Patty Jenkins was basically like her Wonder Woman three story was completely scrapped yep so james gunn came in like fists of flying (laughs) i mean but he kind of had to yeah like it it just like i understand from like his perspective it's like how how do you take these characters that have been established within someone else's universe like, you have, like, all these characters that are part of the Zack Snyder universe. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just, these characters are known for being super dark. And so, one, if you try to go a lighter tone with them, it's just going to feel awkward. Because they're like, oh, yeah. like, this, like, so that's, like, all anyone would talk about is just, like, oh, like, how bright and fun these like they start they feel now and then they start bitching about that and it's just like if you start from ground zero like he's doing like you can build whatever the hell you want and <laughs> i think that's ideal for him yeah i i absolutely agree like it is a um, bummer that uh henry cavill won't be coming back to play superman but really, i'm going to miss the guy but yeah it's for the best I I absolutely agree. Like if, if it's a people it's a big bummer. It is, but if people still want to see DC movies on the big screen, something had to change. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I hope that this is the start of a much better DC universe. I hope so too. Um really quickly, I I just want to get your opinion on the what the rock said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So he said, My passionate friends, I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the new DC universe. James Gunn and I connected, and Black Adam will not be in their first chapter of storytelling. However, DC and Seven Bucks have agreed to continue exploring the most valuable ways Black Adam can be utilized in future DC multiverse chapters. James and I have known each other for years and have always rooted for each other to succeed. It's no different now, and I will always root for DC and Marvel to win and win big. You guys know me, and I have very, very thick skin, and you can always count on me to be direct with my words. These decisions made by James and DC leadership represent their vision of DC, DCU through their creative lens. After 15 years of relentless hard work to finally make Black Adam, I'm very proud of the film we delivered for the fans worldwide. We will always look back on the fan reaction to Black Adam with tremendous gratitude, humility, and love. We did great. To my very passionate and vocal Black Adam slash superhero genre fans, I love you. Thank you, and I will always listen to you and do my best to deliver and entertain you. What a hell of a, ma what a, hell of a month. Now we all need some... Terramana? Okay. Uh, have a productive week and happy holidays to you and your families. And he posted that December 20th. Okay. So at least from what it says, it it doesn't seem like he's too butthurt about it. Which isn't, yeah, which is nice. Um, unlike someone, <laughs> Ray Fisher. Yeah. Um... It was kind of understand. Like I understand Ray Fisher's issues, though. He was kind of screwed over. He was, but I hate that he's like attacking James Gunn for it when Gunn didn't yeah. really. Gunn, Gunn did didn't nothing. do shit. Yeah, it's like, so, dude, I wasn't even part of the. <laughs> the yes, team don't shoot there. the messenger, dude. Like, come on, if you're gonna go after anyone, go go after. Because I know he won't. Well, I, I, it wasn't Zack Snyder at all. But yeah, go that was after Joss Whedon. Yeah, go after Joss Whedon or go after the hierarchy uh, at DC. Don't go after Gunn. J James Gunn literally had nothing to do when you were when you were cyborg. Yeah. So, the, like, the only thing is just cyborg was scrapped, right? Like that's yeah, the only thing so. James Gunn has done. Yeah. But I mean, like even they're still even releasing the Flash. He, uh... They're still releasing Aquaman, which kind of gives them a decent amount of time to get their shit together. Yeah. So I'm not upset about it. I like at least from I'm what he's either. discussed so far. I'm kind of excited for what this uh, this has to. Or what it's going to happen dude. moving forward. Oh, dude, especially considering that he said a huge inspiration for his universe will be the Justice League animated show from when we were kids. Oh, yeah, right? Oh, I'm so excited for that. Dude, I'm I'm excited for, for that possibility. Like, and what just kind of makes me even happier, because it's like, yes, I've always kind of been a, a bigger Marvel fanboy than DC, but I want them both to be good. Like, Same. I want both of them to be, like, off the hook. And, like, if everyone's like, oh, Marvel versus DC, I'm always going to pick Marvel. But Same. I want DC to have their time in the sun, too. Like, right now, it just feels like Mar DC's been at, like, short end of the stick, not knowing, like, their true direction. And then now that they have James Gunn, someone who's worked inside the, the bubble of Marvel and understands how that that place is ran 
can start to build a, an amazing universe for us to see. Give us the stories that we want to see as well. And show us sides to these superheroes that we don't think about or get to see. Yeah. Like, like this is the shit that I, I want. And, like, I have complete and utter faith in James Gunn to knock this out of the park. Oh, same here. Same here. So, I mean, it, it's sad that everyone's, like, throwing a big old fit. Like, oh, like, Henry Cavill got fired. It's, yeah. It kind of had to happen, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, Unfortunately. I, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I hope Marvel kind of picks up this fumble and gives us something with Henry Cavill in it. Some oh, people are saying, like, some people are saying that, oh, they need to give him, like, the Hyperion or Sentry role in Marvel Universe, which is basically, like, the Marvel equivalent of Superman. And I'm like, no, that'd be lame. Like, give him someone if, cool. Like, like I want a completely different character than what he played as Superman. Yeah, I want freaking Captain Britain. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, he would kill it. Right? Absolutely kill it. Like, that would be so cool. Like, like we've already kind of established that, that Steve Rogers has lived his life with Peggy, right? Mm-hmm. So... My whole thing is, like, pick it up, do, like, some freaking time-jumping thing, and make Henry Cavill the love child of Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter that grew up in Britain and became Captain Britain because he has super soldier serum in his blood. There we go. That would be the shit, dude. That Yeah, dude. <laughs> that would abs- absolutely... <laughs> Like, I would love it. I mean, I don't know how everyone else would feel, but I'd freaking love something like that. I just, I would, I just I want Henry Cavill. He's a great actor. He is. He doesn't get enough love, and I hate it. Absolutely not. So I hope Marvel, like I said, picks up this fumble and, and gives him something good to work with. Same like, here. No matter Same what it'd it be. I hope they just don't. As long as they don't waste him as a character. I Yeah, I'd be freaking pissed if that happened. Yeah, so hopefully they, they find something cool. Like, obviously Captain Britain isn't the only role that he would fit in. I think that there's a, a few others that I think he'd be well suited for. Um, Yeah, like you could go a number of routes. Like, yeah. I mean, hell, if you wanted to, like, have him be Colossus, like, that'd be pretty Ooh, pretty okay. sick. Yeah, that'd be super cool. That might be a little funky. Make him Beast. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be super cool. I, w- I would actually love to see him as Beast. <laughs> Just, like, put him in something that we wouldn't expect. Like, I... There are some people that are making the claim that, like, oh, he can be the MCU's Wolverine. I'm like, oh, that's a stretch. Yeah. That's a, 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 I want, like, a comic accurate Wolverine. I want just a short, stocky, hairy dude to be Wolverine. Yes. I absolutely agree. Anyway, um, I think that covers everything that we we can talk about with the DC crap going on. I, I, I got nothing else to add. All right, well, 
Let's say we move on to this week's headliner. Let's do it. Like we said, we'll be breaking down a Christmas story Christmas, which is currently available on HBO Max. Um, If you are new to our breakdown system, we have split movies into eight different categories that we individually score to come to a final All Bros letter grade. The eight categories that we score are story, writing, acting, character development, effects, music, costumes, and then we give our own personal score at the very end. All of those numbers get magically added up, thrown through our algorithm, and spit out a letter grade for us to compare this movie to other movies of a similar grade, as well as a percentage, so we have a ranking of these movies. So, if you have not seen A Christmas Story Christmas, please do yourself a favor and go check this one out. It is really freaking good and uh highly 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 recommend um but if you listen past this point and have not seen it rose is about to spoil the entire movie for you so if you listen past this point it's your own damn fault that it's spoiled so (laughs) yeah without further ado rose would you All like right. to do our favorite reading with Rose segment? Uh, yeah, it's probably your favorite. It ain't my favorite. <laughs> I mean, we could split this like back and forth I, if you want. No, dude, I'm, no, dude, I'm totally <laughs> fucking with you. Totally kidding. Yeah, you want to freaking bitch about it? In December 1973, 33 years after the events of A Christmas Story, Ralphie Parker has moved away from... Ho- um, but is it Hoyman? Or is it Hoyman? I think it's Hoyman. Oh, okay. Away from Hoyman, Indiana, and lives in Chicago with his loving wife, Sandy, and two children, Mark and Julie. Ralphie has been taking the year off from an unspecified rat race job to write his first novel, but its excessive length leads multiple publishers to reject it. As the family prepares for Ralphie's parents to come visit for Christmas, Mrs. Parker calls to tell Ralphie that his father, a.k.a. the old man, has sadly died. The grief-stricken family makes its way to Homan in Ralphie's beat-up 1966 Plymouth to be, with, to be with Mrs. Parker, who has received a large number of casseroles as condolence. Has at, oh my god as condolence offer, offerings she gives ralphie two tasks write his father's obituary and take up his mantle of making christmas special for the family ralphie's children befriend, befriend one of the bumps's kids next door and are bullied by two children on a snowmobile ralphie reunites with flick who now owns a tavern and schwartz who still lives with his mother and has run up a large tab at flick's why is it that my favorite character from the original gets done dirty in this movie? Because you like, like to pick the people that <laughs> are always like the tossaway characters, more or less. Yeah, but Schwartz isn't the one that freaking stuck his tongue to the pole. That was Flick. Is Technically, Flick the, the bar owner? Yeah, Flick's the bar owner. Okay, so he stuck his tongue. Yes. 
Are you sure? I yeah, thought it was yeah, the no. other way around. No, no, it was Flick that stuck his uh, tongue to the pole. Okay. Yeah. It beats me. <laughs> All I'm saying is some bullshit. Uh, he also takes his family out tree... Sh- so Ralphie also takes his family out tree shopping and, failing to replicate his father's negotiation skills, ends up with a tree too tall for the house's living room. While decorating, Julie becomes nervous that there isn't an angel to top it with. Improvising, Ralphie tells her that Santa Claus looks for for stars in Hoyman, Ho- uh, not angels. All the while, he finds his first typewriter in the attic and begins begins work on the old man's obituary, struggling to find the right words and instead using his makeshift workspace to write the sequel to his still unpublished novel. While leaving the house to go get to go ice skating, Sandy slips and sprains her ankle, causing her to need crutches. As Christmas Eve approaches, the family goes to Higby's, where, miraculously, Ralphie manages to buy everything Mark and Julie ask for while their children wait in line to see Santa. A tipsy Sandy and Mrs. Parker, as well as the store's entire restaurant, are thrilled. On the way back, the Plymouth breaks down again, and the family passes the time needed for it to cool down by having a snowball fight. Ralphie accidentally hits Julie in the eye with a snowball, which requires a... Tr- <laughs> like, dang... <laughs> I don't know the way he, that throw felt personal, dude. I lost my ever-loving mind with that scene. It, it was so freaking funny and so yeah. perfectly timed. It was just it came out of nowhere in the best possible way. It was fantastic. It was so freaking good, dude. Yeah. It, it really was. <laughs> um, I don't know where I'm where I'm putting where I'm giving the bonus points, but I'm giving bonus points for that scene. <laughs> uh so after he hits her in the eye with a snowball, uh requires a trip to the emergency room and a temporary eye patch. All of the gifts are stolen from the car's pop trunk when the family is inside the hospital and Sandy has little money left to replace them. Back at Flick's, Flick gives Mark an on-the-spot first job bartending. His patience with with Schwartz worn thin, Flick offers to forgive Schwartz's tab if he completes a physical stunt, the ramp. Schwartz succeeds after being triple dog dared to do it, and his tab is forgiven. Soon, all of the bar patrons begin sledding, leading to Mark breaking his arm. Ralphie is then rejected by his final prospective publisher, whom he has been pestering the whole week to accept. Disheartened, he throws the second manuscript away and gives up on writing. After some comfort from Sandy and remembering the Christmases of yesteryear, Ralphie suddenly gains a burst of inspiration and writes a piece that far exceeds the length of a normal obituary, tearing up at the memories of the old man. However, he leaves it on the desk rather than sending it to the newspaper to prepare for, for Christmas Day. Mark and Julie manage to get back at their bullies by building a snowman over a tree stump so their snowmobile crashes. That night, though, Julie becomes upset after the tree's star falls and... Wait, sorry. After the tree's star falls and breaks, Ralphie, frustrated, goes out against his wife and mother's urgings to find a new one. Since all the stores are closed, his only option is to borrow the star, with a beer company logo on it, from the tree in Flick's tavern, breaking and entering the premises to do so. On his way out, he is caught and apprehended by Scut Farkas, now a police officer. 
Ralphie is terrified at what Scott will do to him, but after some initial teasing, he actually brings him home, saying he owes Ralphie because their fight set him, set him on a better path in life. He also unknowingly reveals his own children to have been the bullies of Mark and Julie. As Mrs. Parker and Ralphie reminisce about the old man, the Christmas tree once again blows a fuse, but the former orders the latter to bed, saying that she needs to learn these things herself now. On Christmas morning, Ralphie is confused by compliments he receives about his piece in the newspaper. Sandy, it turns out, had found the obituary manuscript and took it to the local paper, and its high quality led to it taking the front page as a full column and quickly being syndicated. Ralphie is offered a new job as a syndicated column columnist columnist wow fulfilling his dream of leaving the rat race and becoming a full-time writer opening presents it is discovered that the old man had bought and personally wrapped very thoughtful gifts for the family shortly before his death much of the town soon comes to the parker house for christmas dinner along with ralphie's younger brother randy fresh from a business trip in india after dinner concludes the core family asks ralphie to read his story about the old man Seeing his father's vacant red chair, but realizing that he is still very much there that day in spirit, Ralphie takes a seat and begins to read, fully embracing his new role as the old man's successor. It is revealed that the story is in fact that of Christmas 1940, as Ralphie's narration of it fades and transitions into Gene Shepard's from the original film. Gosh, dude. There is no other way that they could have ended this movie that would have topped this ending. I absolutely agree. This is just perfect. It's like they built a perfect loop between a Christmas story and a Christmas story Christmas. Yep. It was just flawlessly executed. It was so good. Like, I'll be real. I didn't even expect, like, until he was, like, sitting down about to read. It was actually like when he started reading, I was just like, wait a minute, like this sounds familiar. And then it just slowly led into the opening of A Christmas Story. Like, dude, this is perfect. Yeah. Like, you you can't get better than that. (laughs) No, you you cannot. Gosh. Anyway, so starting off with story, they freaking killed it. This is easily one of the, probably one of the most relatable Christmas stories out there. It really is. Um, And I feel that uh, Ralphie says one of the best lines I feel that I've ever heard in a movie, not only a Christmas movie, but in a movie in general. And it's when he's on the phone with his mom and she tells him the news And he's just like, no matter what you go through life, nothing can prepare you for when someone tells you of the passing of a parent. And he's not wrong. I mean, I know we, you know, some of us all have our scuffles with our parents. We may not, you know, some of us have better relationships with them than others. But I feel that there at least has to be, out of the two, if we're just saying, you know, they're just mom and a dad, I feel there has to be at least one, or at least I hope there's one out of those two that it just hits you so hard and you're taken back by it that you 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 don't know how to react. I can't even imagine, but it's 
Especially in, like, Ralphie's situation, it seems like he had a good relationship with both of his parents. Absolutely. And the fact that he... He had that that good relationship, and then it's just... he's It's hit with the, that certain news. I mean... You kind of view as as kids, you view your parents as gods in some way. They're the ones that like that brought you into this world. They're the ones that are taking care of you and have like taught and guided you in most aspects. Like like I said, as long as you have like a good, good relationship with them, the and then just like hearing. You, like you almost view them as like indestructible, like borderline immortal beings. Yep. Like you can't imagine the world without them because you've never been in a world without them. Yeah. And just hearing like so suddenly too, where because you were planning on like, oh, they're on their way here. Like, there is no indication whatsoever that anything was wrong. It's just a very sudden turn. And that could take anyone off guard. And I absolutely agree with you. The way that he explains it is is heartbreaking. And just one of the many heartbreaking moments in this film. Like, they did so good sharing this story. And... I know that we we've already talked about it and <laughs> with me saying that I feel this movie's slightly better paced than the first one <laughs> like it's just anything that like kind of resembles a movie that was made way back when cuz when, when Christmas story was what in what the 80s uh I think it might have been the 70s well, maybe it was in the 80s let me see. Oh, no, it wasn't the 80s. Uh, 1983. 1983. But it took place... When does it take place? So this one takes place 30 years later in the 70s, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's just like a 30-year jump. So, so yeah, 1940 is when Christmas Story takes place. Okay. So, yeah, it's like... With, I think it's just something that, that just comes. There's a lot of fluff or things that are left in with 80s movies that can easily be cropped out. And I think not even a Christmas story is, is safe from that. I feel like there are maybe some things you can crop out. Like, specifically, the, what's coming to mind is when like the kids are walking home from school. And then they, like, get chased, and then it's just, like, it's the sped-up footage of them, like, running around and doing all that. And then it's just, like, well, okay, what was the point to that other than just, like, a little comedic bit? <laughs> That's the point. It's just the comedic bit, which makes it so great. <laughs> Man, you're a freaking sucker for shit like that. <laughs> I am. Shut up. But, yeah, that, that's what I, I mean with, like, pacing issues. Okay. So it's just like, it feels like they cropped some of that out. The story was like really solid. They were like, 
they were able to keep just the overall feel of the first one really well. They really th- there is a lot of um sequels out there that need to take a book from this movie. Um and this is how you do uh nostalgia right because there is a there are so many callbacks to the first one, but none of them feel or to the original, but none of them feel out of place. The one that I like, I was saying like, okay, if they're gonna do this, I'm like, it's it's gonna feel out of place, but it doesn't because it takes place when Ralphie's having like those uh those um oh my god what are they uh vi- not visions but like um what would you call them those are tough to explain <laughs> yeah i just i just it's don't like, know uh, i would almost say that they're like daydreaming almost so it's like okay. daydreams but also a little bit of like what family guy does <laughs> okay like they're the family family guy style jokes where they have a setup and then boom like they show a little clip of of that whole setup but it is like mm. what you said more of like a dream scenario so yeah. i'd say it's almost a dream sequence okay um cuz and like this like literally like just made just like signified oh my god i freaking love this sequel <laughs> Um, when he's, you know, in the back of the police car and he's just like thinking of everything that Scott Farkas might do to him. And it has the freaking, uh, oh my God, what's, so it of course has the guy that plays Scott Farkas in the original dressed how he looked in the original, along with the, uh, guy that played his like, uh, buddy. Oh my God. What was his, I forget. Okay. I got to know his name. You know who I'm talking about, like the like little short kid that was with him in the first one? Yeah, I don't remember his name, though. Okay, it's going to bug the shit out of me. Sorry, i got to find out his name. Also, was that the actual guy that played Farkas? Yep. Yeah, that, that is the original kid, the guy that played Scott Farkas. Is he really? Because yep. I, I know him from a different show. Like, a show that he was in like a lot like further like there's no way hold on <laughs> no yeah that that that's him dude son of a bitch that's that's freaking nuts cuz right? i know zach ward from a show that my favorite comedian um did so Okay, so that that show took place in the early 2000s, 2000 to 2002. And then you said this movie took place in... 1970? Or it came out in 1983, so he would have been... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. 13? And then he would have been th- 30 years old in 2000... Okay, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like, gosh... That's freaking yeah. nuts, dude. So, I love the flashback that, yeah, so, Zach Ward, Scott Farkas, is dressed how he looked in the original as a kid, and then his uh, bully buddy, Grover Dill, played by, who, uh, Yano uh, Anaya, came back to play him as well, and they're doing the, cl- they're, like, laughing at Ralphie, 
and then they do exactly what they did in the first one, where uh, uh, Grover punches Scut, and then wait, no, I'm sorry, I think it's Scut punches punches Grover, and then Grover punches uh, Scut, and then uh, Scut kind of gets like mad, and so he punches him even harder, and he's just like. Oh man! <laughs> they did the exact same scene where they're all freaking grown up. It just—I was like smiling so hard. I'm like, yeah, this is such a great freaking sequel for replicating that scene. Oh, dude, they—they they went all out with that. Like, even going they as far really as putting did. fake braces on him. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so freaking great. So good. So so good. Like. That's what I really liked about that. If it still had, like, it, it showed that Ralphie still has kind of that childhood imagination about him. Yes, and, and I love that. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like, I freaking love when they do stuff like that, or able to like express that and share it, and just giving him the job of being a writer. Or giving him, like, that's his dream to be a writer where he has to have that kind of imagination. Like, works so well. And it honestly makes a lot of sense when you're thinking back to the first one that that's the direction he went with a career for how excited he gets when uh, his teacher asks them to write a Christmas theme about what they want for Christmas. And, you know, of course he uses it for, like, letting his teacher know, hey, you know, maybe you can persuade my parents to actually buy me a Red Ryder BB gun. Um, but just, I don't know, like, I'm just remembering, like, how much his eyes light up when he's asked to write a, a story about what he wants for Christmas. So you can tell that from the very beginning when he was a little kid that writing was in his blood. Yeah. They they just did a really solid job at, at giving us the... Just guiding on us along this journey of of grief as well as the holiday spirit, because I mean, throughout like an underlying tone of of this is dealing with the loss of his father, the old man. Um, but it's also trying to fill those shoes, fill that role, and. That's what he's doing. Like he's he's attempting to fill that role the best way that he can, and that's going and buying the gifts for like all the gifts that his his kids want for for Christmas. And but he's he also like hasn't forgotten the stuff that he went through as a kid, so he's able to like remind his ch- children about different stuff. Yeah. And it, like I love I love just like the small little hints of stuff that he's never forgotten. Like when they were at the at that store and his kids were getting in line to to see Santa and like right before he leaves he's like just don't let him kick you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so great, so great. Freaking loved it. Where are you sitting at with story? Uh, I'm honestly, I'm pretty high just cause it just, it just did everything right when it comes to a sequel that takes place so long after the original. Um, 
So I wouldn't say I'm in the 90s, but I am pretty close, I feel. So I'm going to go in 87. Honestly, I can meet you about there, too. Sweet. I think it, I I don't think it quite cracked into the 90 range, but it it was very very solid. And yes. I think where the story fell through, the writing is what really enhanced this for me. So I think I the writing definitely cracked 90s for me. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Yeah, it was just really smartly written. It gave like kind of gave it like a, a modern tone to it in a way. Like I I really liked when he went back home and he was going to the bar and what is it? What were the the two kids that were uh flicking shorts? Yeah, I loved their like how their dynamic really hadn't changed all that much. It really didn't. And yeah, just Everything that they did with these characters 30 years later, as much as I wasn't the biggest fan of what they did with Schwartz, I can see why it makes sense. None of the characters, the direction that they went, felt so out of left field that you're just like, it's not even the same character anymore. Yeah, like these these guys genuinely felt like the same characters. Like they hadn't <laughs> ate... Like, they hadn't aged a day. Like the only th- thing that's Seriously. different is like how they look, but it's like their personalities are the same. It's just like who they are at their core is the yeah. same. Oh, dude, I got so excited when Ralphie walked into the bar and flicking Schwartz were there. I'm just like, yeah, three amigos are back together again. It was so great. Oh, dude, I loved the scene where he had got triple dog dared to go down that ramp. And so great. Like every like it's like everyone around was just like (gasps) but like the kids were just like, what what the hell is going on? (laughs) The best part is when finally Flick is just like, he's gonna be okay, right, Ralph? And Ralph is just like, you know what we should probably just move out of the way. Yeah, (laughs) let's just move out of the way. (laughs) Dude, because you know like damn well that I mean, obviously for us, it's not being triple dog dared or anything. But if someone like dares you to do something, like, oh, bet you won't. And you're just like, like, there's no way I'm doing that. And that you just bitch like that, like that will get me to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> even when you're even when you're cl- uh, closer to your 30s than you are your 20s. Yep. You'll still do it. Yeah, like my brother's thing, like my younger brother, his whole thing is just no balls. Oh, I got balls. <laughs> and then he does something stupid. <laughs> or I'll do something stupid. Like one of us is doing something stupid and it, it all starts <laughs> with no balls. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Like I just gave the internet the key to getting me to do stupid shit. <laughs> Yes, you did. Just like, good job. It's like, hey, do this. No, that's stupid. Pussy. No balls. Oh, I got balls. <laughs> <laughs> shit. 
anyway, like I said, I'm 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 cracking nineties with writing. I might be in. I might be like right at a ninety. I was thinking the same. All right, moving on over to acting. I had this up. Okay. All right, for acting, we have Peter Billingsley. Yep. It just seemed like there was way too many like ings in that, but I think I might That's be. That's fair. I think I might be mildly dyslexic. <laughs> no, dude, you're good. Dude, you know what I didn't know about him? He was um he was an elf. Yeah. Holy shit. I had no idea. Yeah, no freaking clue. Like, there's so much shit that he, that's yes. come out that he's been in. Like, I didn't realize he was the freaking, uh, uh, what's it, the scientist from Iron Man. No shit? <laughs> yeah. Damn, good for like you, he, Billingsley. I know, he was the one that, uh, was working with Mysterio. Oh my god, that he's doesn't the one, even... Yeah, then he I was the one that got yelled him. at. He was the one that got yelled at by Jeff Bridges in the first one. Isn't now that, that freaking nuts? Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I. Oh my god, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we got Peter Billingsley who plays Ralphie Parker. We have Aaron Hayes who p- plays his wife Sandy Parker. Uh, River Drosh. Who plays their son Mark? Juliana Lane, who plays their daughter Julie. We have Julie Haggerty, who plays Ralphie's mom, Mrs. Parker. Scott Schwartz, who plays Flick. R.D. Rob, who plays Schwartz. I did and... not realize the guy that plays Flick's last name was Schwartz. That's funny. Yeah, right? That's hilarious. <laughs> And then I think that's about it in terms of like characters people played. Yeah. Anyway. Um this might be a tough one for me, but who who's your top 3? Um Honestly, this is actually like really easy for me just because I just loved seeing these three uh, back together in these roles. Um, so uh, number number three, um, I would give to Scott Schwartz, who played Flick. Number two, I would give to Artie Rob, who played Schwartz. Just it was just so great seeing these two back together again, and like like you pointed out, it was literally like nothing had changed between these two. It was so great. Um, and then number one. I would absolutely give to Peter Billingsley. He transitioned right back into Ralphie. Um, I mean, yeah, adult Ralphie. So of course, you know, like he's gonna be he be different, but it still feels exactly the same. Still feels the exact same character, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, hard to argue with you on that one. Uh, he's definitely my number one. Um, my number two, I might actually give to Julie Haggerty, who plays his mom. Um, I know, so the, the role was originally offered to the actress who played their mom, but mm. she has retired from acting. And so she, yeah, she considered really it, like she highly considered it, but she ultimately 
turned it down. Um, so they gave it to Julie Haggerty, and I think she she made a really good like fit for the mom. Like she kind of no, had it. She had a new feel to her in a way. It didn't it, like quite match the tone of the original, but I think she fit it well enough. I feel for the excuse you could maybe give with that is just you know like maybe. She's definitely a lot older in this one, so, you know, times have changed. She might be a little bit senile, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Like, you can definitely make an argument about it, but, I mean, the tone wasn't, like, off or anything. It's just, if you're making that comparison, it's different. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Um, But I think... Yeah, my number three, I think I'm going to give to Aaron Hayes, who plays... Uh, Ralphie's wife. I loved the dynamic between her and Ralphie. It was really good. They were so cute together. Dude, they they had some funny shit when they were like together. Like the whole carolers coming to the door, and they like Ralphie and and his mom just freaking hit the floor, <laughs> and. His wife is just like, I like to carol. She's like, like, you brought one of them into my house? And he's like, I didn't know. (laughs) Like, freaking love that whole thing. And then when when they're all decorating the the tree, and I think it's like Mark that starts talking about, like, this kind of feels like child labor. And then she's like, oh, honey, it's only child labor if we pay you. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great line. I I laughed at that for a good couple minutes. (laughs) Like, dude, they had some freaking, like, heavy hit jokes. They really did. God, I loved it. Yeah, so freaking good. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely giving it to to her, my number three spot. I love it. Uh, where are you sitting with your uh, acting grade? Um, I'd say also like pretty high. Like none of, I can't think of any extras that really brought it down because a lot of the extras were returning cast members and they just transitioned right back into the roles. And I loved every minute of it. Um, one of the biggest one. Uh, I mean, I know I've already talked about you know Flick and Schwartz, but especially uh, Scott Farkas, like. The guy, I what's his name? Uh, Zach Ward. Zach Ward. God, feels like he never left the role. Like, he even freaking still has the laugh down. It's still scary as hell. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Dude, I laughed so hard when they did that, like, flashback thing where it's he's dressed as like he was when he was a kid. That was the funniest shit. Right. Ah, oh, so great. Um Yeah, you know, actually I think I'm gonna give it the same uh score as writing, a ninety. I might be a little bit lower. Um I'm definitely a little bit higher than the, the story. I, I do feel like overall the acting was really good. Um it did kind of feel like everyone was like lessening their acting ability to kind of match how their tone was as a as kids. 
All right, touche. Um, so I, I'm I'm definitely going to give some props for them about that. Um, okay. but I think some of the extras, again, like I thought in with the original, is just maybe a little much. Like I think the 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 kid bullies were a tad over the top. The ones with the snowmobile, like, beating up oh, snowmen. Yeah. Like, what the All hell right. is that? <laughs> so, I think, I'm still, like I said, I'm still fairly high. I think I'm sitting at, like, an 88 with that one, though. Alright, fair enough. Alright, next up we got character development. I'm assuming we're doing Ralphie. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, what'd you think? I thought it was really good. Um, I I love that you know you you see him first uh, starting off as you know like a struggling writer and publisher because no one wants his story, um, and then uh, poor guy you know here hears about his uh, his father's passing, and so you know he travels back to his hometown. His mother asks him to write his eulogy, his obituary, um, and you know try to put together a classic. Um, Parker Christmas, um, and just seeing him the uh, the way that he tries to make this Christmas for not only his kids but his wife and his mom and his mom as close to his old man's Christmas is just like shows how much of a caring person Ralphie is, the lengths that he goes to, um, and then finally at the ending you actually see him he actually gets a happy ending he actually he's published he gets what he wants he doesn't um it doesn't end in like a bad way that oh you know he he never got published he has to go back to a dead-end job um and even there's that scene like after they finish uh opening uh gifts on christmas even his wife is just like you know what maybe a year isn't long enough for you to really start your writing career and he and he stops her he's just like no 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 honey we agreed on a year and so i'm going back to my my dead end job but then of course after that you know he he gets the call um but no honestly for a a a grown up ralphie that takes place 30 years from when a, the original christmas story took place um I feel it's a great character arc. It's great character development. Um, it still feels like the exact same Ralphie, just all grown up. So, yeah, it it really does. Like they did such an amazing job, and like sharing that. And I feel like they even added like a uh, like a bit of a new life to like the original Christmas story. I can definitely agree with that. Just like with the way that they ended it, with like kind of his his story coming full circle, but n- now you can kind of go into a Christmas story, viewing it as like this is his his love letter to his dad. Yeah, and like like I freaking love when they do when they do stuff like that. Like, absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, he had some fairly decent growth i mean it's this is probably the weaker category it's probably going for me it's going to be this in costumes that's fair um yeah. but 
Yeah, I mean, development-wise, it's like he was just, it's like he didn't really quite go anywhere other than I think most of his development was just accepting his role in the family as like kind of taking over for the old man. Yeah. And I mean, he does. And it's just, he learns a lesson like, okay, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be the best that I can do. At least that's kind of what I thought he was taking out of it. Uh, I mean, I guess you got a point there. You're not wrong. But what did you think? <laughs> what did? I don't know. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, you are right. <laughs> like I, I can't even argue that. Yeah, it's just I think I think this is where the movie suffers because it's not a super important detail within this story. That's fair. So it's it's kind of hard to to judge this one well yeah like despite like what we felt of the movie so for me on this one I'll say it was above average so I might be in like 81 range see it's actually exactly what I was thinking because I thought you were going to do an 80 so I was going to go up a little more to an 81 so I'll actually match it with an 81 Nice. All right, next up we got effects, which I think there was a decent amount. Like, they had some stunt work with the ramp. Yeah, that um, looked really good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other shit. Oh, when freaking uh, Julie gets plowed in the face with that snowball. <laughs> God damn. Whole dude. I I almost like spit up my water. I like I choked <laughs> on my drink watching that. It was so freaking funny. It, it really was. It was And so then good. the fa- like and then she has to wear a patch over her eye. Just somehow but, made it even funnier. <laughs> oh yeah, that 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 was the cherry on top. Oh my gosh, it's just, it it takes you by such surprise, like I said, out of freaking nowhere, out of freaking left field, but it's just the funny, it's like watching someone slip and fall at, on like grocery store uh, c- camera footage. It's like something yeah. you're not really expecting, but it's just a, a treat <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> It's true. It's very true. Oh, so I loved that. Loved how good that looked. And then I'd say uh, overall, I think I'm taking cinematography into account too, since those were, I would say, the I'd agree. closer to special effects. Um, but yeah, cinematography was great. They they definitely did a really good job um, recapturing how. Uh, this time period looked and um i can uh i feel that they uh definitely uh bumped up the uh 
the day the Ralphie daydreams a little bit from the original, and and I I, I loved it, just the way that they laid them out. The freaking dead man walking thing when he uh winds up in prison, um that <laughs> that was that was, that was fantastic. Uh, the freaking snowball showdown. Yeah, the, oh, that was awesome. It's kind of funny that they have that scene of him in jail because um I don't know if you ever saw this came out in I think like 2013 or 2014 but remember when they were doing like a lot of direct to DVD sequels Warner Brothers was doing yes and they did a Christmas story too did you ever see it I did not it's not as bad as everyone says it's not horrible I actually kind of like it a little bit this is de- this is definitely the true sequel to a Christmas story. There's no doubt about that. This is this is a Christmas story too. But that one is not as bad as everyone says. Um but there is a part even when that in that when he's he's daydreaming and he has freaking um Schwartz and a flick leading him uh to I think he's actually going to get the electric chair. I forget what it, it is for, but I think it's Flick that shouts dead man walking. So, I don't, I don't know. That, that just, I just found that funny that both of those kind of scenes were in uh, both uh, sequels, I guess. That's pretty funny. That might have been a like a, a cameo to that one. It could be. Or maybe just like a nod to it, at least. Yeah. Ooh. Effects were pretty good. Um... I, I might be a little bit higher than character development. I might be sitting at around 85. I might be just a little lower than you. Um, long they were good, but just nothing like really stood stood out to me. I mean, a lot did, but just, you know what I mean. So I'm going to, wow, not a U. I'm going to go an 80, I'm going to go an 83. I think something that I incorporated in that was my thoughts on their recreation of that one store where they get everything from. Oh, Higby's? Yeah. I think it was their recreation okay. of that plus the like the Santa situation. Like it's just they recreated that perfectly. They re- so, weren't the elves wearing like the exact same costumes yeah, too. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And then they had the freaking so big ass slide. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really great. Oh, yeah! I want to watch the the discussion that the cast has about that because the you know the younger God, brother. I'm a, I'm a, you, you you know yeah. what? You talk me into it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. Yeah. The the younger brother was talking about that slide, and he's like, "That was a death slide," and he's like, "When they." pushed me down it like you you can see that i had genuine fear in my eyes like going down that and then when i realized oh it wasn't that bad i went to the director and said hey i think i can do it again um i'm not scared of it and he's like no we got it (laughs) like we got the shot (laughs) oh shit (laughs) so good do you remember uh the, I forget what phone company it was for, 
but they did a whole like Christmas story commercial based on it where the kid is, you know, he, he's dressed as Ralphie and he's like about to head down the slide and he says, uh, he's, uh, instead of saying, you know, like I want a red rider be begun, blah, blah, blah. He's saying like, like a certain foam plan and shit and like everything that comes with it. And then freaking Santa's just like, yo, run the bill up, kid. And then freaking <laughs> pushes his ass down. <laughs> I'm going to have to find this commercial and I'll send it to you. Dude, please do. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I vaguely remember seeing something like okay, that. But yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely need to see that. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it after we finish. All right. Next up in uh, music. It was Not, decent. Yeah, I mean, didn't I swear that the opening song was the exact same as the original? I think the score was just like a modernized version of the original. Yeah, and I've seen nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. I think that's perfect to do. Yeah, it like still it wasn't anything that like caught my attention or just like like oh my gosh, like such a great song. Yeah. It's just. Like, hey, it worked for what yeah. you guys had going. <laughs> because of that, like, honestly, I would give it a seven. That's exactly where I'm thinking, too. Sweet. We're pretty in agreement. Like, the only thing we've disagreed on at, at all, like, even if you can call it a disagreement, it's <laughs> is acting. Yeah, that's true. And that was only two points. Yeah. That's That's funny. Alright, uh, let's see. Next up in costumes. Classic 70s winter. Yeah. That freaking... <laughs> I don't know why, but the, the jeans that Ralphie was wearing, I don't know if he wears them throughout the whole movie, but, or maybe it's just the ending, but they look straight up just like disco pants or some shit. Like, the way that, like, the cuffs at the end of the pants, like, how long they were. Just, I don't know why those, like, caught my attention so much. <laughs> Just that like, was really kind of the that... style in the seventies, though. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. But I, I don't know. That like caught my attention so much. I'm like, really? That's the, those are the jeans that they wore. I love it. Yeah, they're they're odd. <laughs> there, but I mean, I would never wear them. But you know, kudos to people that were able to pull them off. Yeah, I I don't think there was anything like completely like outstanding about the the costumes in this, though. Yeah, like as much no, as I hate to say wasn't. it. You know what would have made my freaking my whole life was if they did a an homage to the original like scene where it's Flick sticking his tongue to the pole uh, when they do the whole like ramp. If Ralphie, Flick, and Schwartz were all wearing like the clothing that resembled what they wore in the original, like even Schwartz had his like classic like yellow and brown long hat. That would have been pretty good. That I, that probably would have bumped me up from where I'm at. Like, wh- but what are you at? I'm at like a six. <laughs> yeah, even I can agree with you there. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, like, there six was is above average because our average is five. Yeah, like that's kind of like it's just starting off at a five and then you go up from there. Like it, everything worked for the times. Like it was good, but I think. It kind of did have like a timeless feel, like oh, like the only thing that really felt old was like the cars. Everything else That's felt pretty true. timeless. 
I mean, it was nice seeing the, you know, like the for that um, dream se- or that daydreaming sequence that uh, Zach Ward and um, Yano Anoya and I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, that they had him, them wear the exact same costumes that they wore as Scott and um, oh my, Dil- was it Dillard? I'm gonna butcher this name, uh, Grover. Um, but like that's like the only thing that I can think of like oh you know like these characters wore the classic costume so it doesn't really bump it up for me yeah me either so I th- I'm I, yeah definitely sitting at a six I think if that may have, it would have been like a bigger role in what yeah was happening I think it would have bumped me up to maybe a seven um but yeah, six for me. All right, last up, we got our own personal score. So you want to take this one? I would love to. Um, so yeah, when this was first announced, um, I honestly thought it was just going to be like you know, like the cast like recalling their memories on it. Um, you know, just reminiscing about the good old days with this movie uh, or with the original movie. I did not expect it to be like an actual sequel, um, but I freaking love that they did it. Um, they did this one right. Um, they didn't disgrace the source material at all. Um, they took it seriously. Um, every Everyone that came back from the original um, transitioned right back into their characters in a respectful way. Um, yeah, Peter Billingsley especially, amazing as Ralphie. Just love seeing him back. Love seeing everyone back, um, and just yeah, th- this this was a really good sequel. Um, so uh, I I hmm yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go an eighty-eight. Nice. I'm I'm a little bit lower than you. I'm not by much. I'm sitting at an eighty-four. Um, I, I had a really good time with this movie and I can definitely see myself watching this again. Like I said, it's in my, like, if you listen to our top 10 episode, I'm, I'm, it's in my top 10. Yeah. Um, Awesome. I love it. Yeah. But even though it's in my top 10, it's like my personal enjoyment, like, I think even elf isn't necessarily all that high on my like personal rating <laughs> um like don't get me wrong it's up there but it's not like crack i don't even think elf's cracks like my top 30 movies that's fair i get where you're coming from yeah it's just it's a good holiday film and in ways of rewatchability it's Definitely something I'm going to rewatch every year. Just like I'm probably going to rewatch A Christmas Story. Just like I'm going to rewatch everything else that we brought up in our top ten list. It's it's good. It's good enough for me to want to rewatch mm-hmm. in a particular circumstance. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, but overall, I think they. My enjo- I think my enjoyment level of this was way above what I felt for A Christmas Story. I know, which is like blasphemy to Rose. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm sitting Christmas at a... Movie, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at an 84 there. 
I respect it. I respect it. All right. Well, with that, that bring or that is the end of this breakdown. So going through our scores really quick, starting off with story, we are sitting at a very solid 87. Writing got bumped up signif- or a decent amount to a 90. Acting dropped down just a single point, sitting at an, an 89. Character development was probably one of the lower score was the lower score, um, sitting at an 81. The effects are sitting at an 85 because it's just average as average can be with a couple really funny special effects here and there. Uh, music slightly above average, sitting at a seven. Costumes a little less so, just sitting at a solid six out of ten. And then our personal score averaged out to an eighty-six. So that brings our final All Bros letter grade for a Christmas story Christmas to a a B. All right, I like it. Yeah, I like that a lot. So it is sitting at an 84.12. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. It's definitely one of our higher B movies. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Um, Let me see where it is. Okay, there we go. All right, so A Christmas Story Christmas, like I said, is sitting at an 84.12. That puts it... Let's go above first. So it puts it above Free Guy, which is at an 84.06. Puts it above Thor Ragnarok, which is at an 83.90. Wow. Yeah, puts it above Murder of Murder on the Orient Express, which is at an eighty-three point eight one. Not bad. It's above Sonic the Hedgehog, which is at an eighty-three point eight one. All right. And then finally, it puts it above Home Alone, which is at an eighty-three point six four. We're gonna have some angry people at us. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people right. are gonna be happy with that one. Yeah. Um, going the opposite direction, I'm pretty sure we're not gonna have people very happy with us this way either. Oh shit. So Christmas story Christmas is sitting below solo, a Star Wars story at an eighty four point two one. It's also below Avengers Age of Ultron, which is sitting at an eighty four point three seven. It is below Prey, which is at an 84.43. It is also below Christopher Robin, which is at an 84.56. And then finally, it is below The Matrix Resurrections, which is at an 84.70. Remind me, uh, what number is The Resurrections? Is that four? Resurrections is the fourth one, yes. Oh, hell, mm, no. Christmas Story Christmas is better than that. <laughs> well, guess we don't think so. <laughs> uh, 
Look, all I'm saying okay, is... Okay, listen, listen, I listen, feel- listen, listen. If you want to blame anyone, you can blame DJ for basically giving this, like, a hundred. That's true. Because <laughs> all I'm saying is, one, I fell asleep halfway through, and the first one, and the the, the other one, I was awake the whole damn time. <laughs> I'll let you guess which one. <laughs> oh... Yeah, I'm going to consistently give DJ shit about that one because he, <laughs> his change his, or his thoughts on that movie have changed drastically since that breakdown. Really? <laughs> oh shit, that's funny. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty sure it would have been a lot lower if he if we would have done it like now. Uh, the Matrix Resurrections Revisited. <laughs> oh, shit, that'd be funny. Or how about the Matrix Resurrections Resurrected? Ooh. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so that's where that movie is sitting. Um, and that concludes this week's breakdown. Uh, if you liked this episode, want to check out more of our stuff be sure to follow and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts we are basically everywhere uh you can also catch all of our episodes on youtube if that is the way that you would prefer to listen um be sure to follow us on social media we are on facebook we are on twitter instagram i've kind of fallen off the band the twitter bandwagon because i feel like that's just going to hell in a handbasket so it's more I'm abandoning ship early. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um but we are still on Twitter. Stuff still gets posted there. Um but we are more the most active on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Um so you can follow us on all social media platforms at the All Bros. Uh if you want to hit us up through our email we you can email us at the albros channel at gmail.com uh, where you can find links to everything that we do and yeah um so next week you guys can look forward to us breaking down puss in boots the last wish so that very that's gonna be for the sequel very excited for this one this looks like it's gonna be really good Um, and be on the lookout on our social media we will be posting a question of the week before that episode or before we record that episode so be on the lookout Um, anyway but until then this has been the All Bros Podcast I'm Caleb and I'm Jonathan and we'll catch you guys next week deuces so long and Merry Christmas (laughs) 